0: Many of the belief systems we have as parents are fundamentally flawed. But because parents don't want to do that inner work and take accountability, they dismiss it as being too soft. It's actually one of the most profound things you can do for your children, which is to heal yourself.
1: How are you, Dr. Shafali? Hi, I'm good. Thanks for having me. Thank you for uh, coming on. I'm so excited to speak to you. You've been a huge teacher in my life um, as a mother and as a woman, so I'm very excited for our conversation. Wonderful. I would love to talk about conscious parenting. You coined the term when you wrote the book, Conscious Parent. And yesterday when I was sitting and talking, thinking about our conversation, my husband was walking by and I was like, hey, what, what do you think conscious parenting means? And he tells me, well, it's uh, just us not being reactive and um, just hugging and cuddling our kids so they're not prepared for the real world. And I was like, oh, okay, (laughs) a very different understanding. So I would love to hear from you. What is conscious parenting and what its core principles are?
0: It's really a, a whole new paradigm, a whole new model of parenting our children, which is very different from the traditional model. The traditional model that most of us were raised in was based on fear and shame and the parent being at the top of the hierarchy and the child just following the ways of the parent and following the parent's expectations and fantasies. Conscious parenting kind of turns the whole thing, topples it over, where it's not about the child being a puppet of the parent's fantasies but where the parent realizes that they need to raise themselves into a higher state of consciousness so that they can allow their children to be who it is they're meant to be. It's about understanding that our childhood patterns have a deep influence on our parenting and actually get in the way of us being able to parent our children the way our children need to be parented And until we do that inner work and raise our real children inside of us, only then will we be able to connect to the children before us. So the real children in the room and in the relationship are the children inside us. And those are the ones that cause us to be reactive, cause us to project our stuff onto our children and create a disconnection between ourselves and our children.
1: Why do you think there's this um, feel sometimes that conscious parenting feels like an idealistic approach, which means it raises the bar on what parents perceive to be possible? Is it because it's such a 180 from what we've grown up with?
0: Yes, because it's so different, it creates resistance and then parents put it down by saying, oh, that's so idealistic, or we're raising soft children, or we're not preparing our children for the real world. None of that is what conscious parenting is about. Conscious parenting is not about raising the bar, it's about understanding who it is you are as a parent and how that impacts your children. But because parents don't want to do that inner work and look at themselves and take accountability, they dismiss it as being too soft or too utopic or it's, it's actually one of the most profound things you can do for your children, which is to heal yourself. And that is the core mm. fundamental foundation of conscious parenting is how can you come from a place of health and healing rather than a place of fear and scarcity? Because when you come from fear, you shame your children, you control your children, When you come from healing, you truly allow them to be who it is they are. And because many of us were not given this gift in our childhood, we feel like, why should we give it to our children? I was never treated like that. My mother beat me up. Why shouldn't I beat my child up? And we always come with some sort of resistance because we don't want to look at ourselves.
1: I wonder if we're doing it to ourselves in a way uh, with these big new waves of, you know, the way we parent our children, they feel so scary to us because we just grew up in such a different world. But I feel like the ones that do want to do the work and are working on, you know, becoming more conscious, I feel like sometimes makes them feel worse about themselves in a way. I think that it kind of damages the progress because they're like, well, I'm putting all this work and I'm, you know, trying to be intentional with my family and my children. And yet I feel so overwhelmed and I feel like I haven't made any progress. What do you think contributes to that? Do, are we not conscious enough? Well, I think when we begin
0: to do this work, there is an inevitable consequence of feeling ashamed and guilty but that is only when we don't understand the true depth of this message. When we get stuck in shame and guilt, it's because we are still working at the level of the ego, which wants us to feel good about ourselves. We're still looking for praise and validation. When we can Mm -hmm. go deeper to understand that this is not about being a perfectionist and it's not about being hard on yourself, but it's about seeing your patterns and healing yourself. you actually then realize that even the feelings of helplessness and guilt and shame are actually part of your pattern.
1: If you had to build phases to what a parent goes through when they go through their conscious parenting transformation, why would it be? You mentioned that you know when you begin. There's the resistance, and you mentioned there's also the guilt. Would you say that there's kind of obvious steps that happen? There is a progression. The first step, step is to to realize
0: that your belief systems have been wrong. You know, m- many of us don't realize that many of the belief systems we have as parents are fundamentally flawed. So the first step is to realize that. And then the next step is to realize, oh, my goodness, I have all these patterns from childhood that I'm enacting and reenacting and I don't know how to get out of it. So I talk about that in the book. And then the third step is, okay, now I've done the work. I've looked at my belief systems. I've looked at my childhood. Now I don't know how to connect with my child. So I give steps on how to connect. But that's the progression. You have to Mm -hmm. go from your belief systems to your own childhood to then connecting with your child.
1: I feel like... You know, when we read the work that you do, um, and again, there's a lot of conversation around conscious parenting. There's a lot of other terms, and I don't know exactly the difference. Like, is there a difference between gentle parenting to conscious parenting? Yes, yes. So conscious parenting is the big umbrella, I think,
0: but gentle parenting could be a part of it. Positive parenting could be a part of it. Conscious parenting is not about a technique. Gentle parenting is a mm-hmm. technique and an approach. Conscious parenting is deeper than that. It is about really seeing your patterns and your broken parts from childhood and healing that. And then if you're gentle or not, that, that comes out of the healing. The goal is not to create a particular style of parenting or to create an outcome in the child. It's really to do the inner work to heal yourself. So it's kind of a more deeper internal way of approaching parenting, which is beyond the technique, you know, it's not about mm-hmm. saying the right things, saying the right things cannot be executed out of a decision, saying the right thing should
1: come naturally out of healing. And I think that it's such, it's a long journey. Um, I know you have, you're a mother, and I'm sure that with conscious parenting, it's, It's such a long, multi-step progression for the person because, again, you're undoing, unraveling, unlearning so many things. And I think maybe that's one, also another aspect of why people um, have this resistance because a lot of people want that switch to switch and, okay, we're, we're conscious parents now or we're doing this this way and that's it, where in reality, it takes so long. I mean... I try to practice conscious parenting, but I can't say that I'm where I want to be. It's probably going to be a lifelong process for me. Um, Do you feel the same as someone who is, I mean, this is your life's work? Is this something that is just continuously unraveling for you as well?
0: Yes, it's a constant evolution, uh, but you do become, quote unquote, more and more conscious you become less reactive. You're able to see things from a different perspective. You're able to have self-compassion and compassion for others. So your muscles grow in consciousness for sure, but there's no perfect destination. So yes, it's not a quick fix. It takes a lot of accountability and parents don't want to do that. So parents are just kind of lazy in a way and, and want the best answer fast. Well, life mm-hmm. doesn't work like that, and in order to raise your children well, you need to go to school and that's what conscious parenting is. It is the school for your for your own self to go through to become the best parent you can be.
1: I'm always curious about operating as a conscious parent in today's society because obviously everyone is have their own approach uh, come with their own ways of doing things. but what happens? In a household, let's say, when you have one parent that works really hard on conscious parenting and another does not, how does that contribute to the dynamic?
0: Well, at least there's one conscious parent, so that's always more positive. And yeah, you know, it's hard when one is not. But again, is it better for two parents to hit their child or better just one parent hit the child? And the other parent kind of is there as a soothing space and a healing space. And then ultimately the one who is becoming conscious will have to decide how bad is the other person's unconscious? How toxic is the other person's unconscious? And then create a boundary depending on how severe it is. Uh, But I always
1: say one conscious parent is definitely better than zero. Have you ever coached Uh, family that was in this position, do you usually feel like the one conscious parent at some point opens up the opportunity for the other one to participate in that?
0: Yeah, I've seen all sorts of things happen. Many times I see that the unconscious parent becomes more conscious because they see how powerful and positive the other parent is being and how their children are responding. And many times they don't. And then the conscious parent has to make a decision if they can stay in that relationship the way it is, or they have to move on. Uh, I've seen both of them play out equally.
1: There's a quote that I pulled from your book, The Awakened Family, uh, which is a wonderful book, by the way. The problem is that in our great desire to see our children do well, we interact with them through the lens of fear that they might fall, a fear that our children absorb.
0: In all sorts of ways, in the moment, we are bringing fears and control onto our children. For example, if the child says, I wasn't invited to the birthday party, you could have fear. Oh my goodness, my child is not belonging. My child is not part of the crowd. And all your own past fears around rejection could come up in that moment and you could lose your calm and you could you know, react really strongly or your child gets a B grade and not an A grade. You could react with panic. Oh my God, this means my child's a loser and my child won't be successful. And and you can bring all your past, your own traumas into the present moment. So in all sorts of ways, we're always projecting and most of it is out of fear. You know, if your child says, I want to quit college and I want to go to cooking academy, you could have a panic attack and say, that's ridiculous, that's irrational. Really, is it irrational or is it your fear that your child may fail or that your child may not be super achieving? That is coming into play, right? So many times we react to our children thinking it's our children, but then we realize it's our own deep trauma and fear around something negative that could happen. That's why you are reacting to your children. Most of the time, it's because of something going on within ourselves.
1: It sounds like there's some kind of a process of detachment from the outcome for your child. A lot of us look at that detachment as a negative thing, like we're just we don't care. Where in reality it feels like it empowers the child and it empowers us in a different way. Yeah, it's
0: it's it's a healthy
1: letting go of entangling.
0: And in meshing yourself with everything your child does and who they are, letting it go, that's their life. It's their destiny. It's their desire to be who it is they want to be. Why are we so wanting control? And the reason we want control is because we're very identified in that role. So who our child is, is, is who we are. But that's not true. Who your child is, is not who you are. And it feels like it is who you are, but it's not who you are. And the more you make their success, their life, their decisions, and their choices about you, you're going to suffer. Uh, when you let go and allow them to wear their hair the way they want and dress up how they want and not fight the small stuff, you're going to be healthier.
1: I feel like you also get a better understanding of who your child is, right? Because they are able then show up. Uh, speak, behave the way they authentically feel. I mean, we still have the responsibility as parents to help them navigate life. And I think the more information you have about them is gonna help you as a parent to navigate them, right? Because I think that in so many scenarios, especially for me, my kids are still little, but I am already thinking about they're getting, they're going to become teenagers soon. And if I'm not careful, I will lose that ability to see who they are. They'll stop showing it to me. And then I might be living in this like illusion that my child is this way, but once they leave the house, they are a completely different person.
0: Right. So what you're saying is that you're trying to be careful to create a safe space where they can show up for who it is they are and they don't have to pretend, they don't have to hide and you're hyper aware of creating that safety. And yes, you're right, you know, because if we're not careful, they will begin to hide who it is they are. Some of that is going to happen whether you like it or not, but you're trying to avoid them completely hiding who it is they are from you. So conscious parenting is not about the child, it's about the parent. So Mm -hmm. the, the child comes in with who it is they're meant to be. They come in with their DNA, they come in with their temperament. And then how we react to them is all about us, not about them. But yes, eventually, because of epigenetics, the child will now be a combination of who it is they were and then the environment that they were raised in. So then it's going to be hard to tell after a few years what is what. And that's why it's important for parents to pay attention. It's important for parents to attune. It's important for parents to to align with who the child is before you.
1: The... Conscious parenting very much speaks to the radical awakening within us. And one of the first book I read of yours was The Radical Awakening, which was absolutely mind-blowing for me because I, w- I didn't realize how certain patterns are so deeply rooted in my everyday and in my thoughts and in my actions. What was the catalyst to your own awakening? Well, you know,
0: I I started this process in my early 20s. So I've been doing this for 30 years where I began to seek and discover who it is I was. Um, So I've been gradually awakening. But then I had a big radical awakening uh, when I went through a divorce and my marriage ended uh, the way it was. And I was forced to... Come to a new awareness of who I was and make decisions based on my newfound sense of self and let go of old patterns and uh, divorce my inauthentic ways of being and find a new way of being. So I went through a big radical awakening then because it's such a profound uh, shock almost when you leave a long-term relationship and you have to find a new way to be. So that took the life out of me, but it also gave me new life and showed me a new way forward.
1: And did it shift your way of parenting after the divorce? Like Do you see a clear pre-divorce and post-divorce way of parenting? No, I think,
0: I think for me in particular, it did not change my parenting much because I've always been practicing conscious parenting. It just changed the way I was parenting myself it changed my relationship with myself. It allowed me to reclaim my own inner power and really take care of myself in a way that I had not been taking care of myself and uh, to really step into my worth. So I was good with my child. I wasn't good with my own inner child. So that's what shifted through the change in my marriage.
1: What do you think make us forget about the inner child? Well, our own
0: upbringing, our conditioning, our years of being told that, you know, who it is we are is not important. We need to take care of what culture wants us to take care of or what our parents want us to be. They want you to be the good girl or they want you to be the super achiever or they want you to be the super star in some way. So we are conditioned to disregard our own needs and put ourselves last. And Put others before us. this is just what we're conditioned to do. So it takes a huge radical awakening for women to come back to that that power within them. and part of that power is reclaiming their their authentic inner child and reparenting that inner child now because it was never parented till now. And once you do that and once you take charge of your own inner needs. You let go of neediness, you let go of codependency, you let go of passivity and servility, And you really can, you know, powerfully take charge of your life in a way that you never have before.
1: Was it a gradual thing for you? Because to me, when you speak on this inner inner revolution, it sounds very scary when you're an adult and you have all these responsibilities and roles that you play because with radical awakening comes also radical change and change is a very scary concept for us and I think for us as humans especially ones that are already so like these roles are so ingrained in us right you're a mother you're a wife you're this you're that when you're older it's it's scarier to make such changes because it affects every single thing in your life. Did you have that fear? How was your process? Was it gradual or was it kind of a huge explosion?
0: It was both. It was an explosion and then it was gradual. So uh, the explosion is really just the awareness that something has to change. So that can feel like an explosion, right? Like, oh my goodness, I can no longer pretend that I'm okay with the way things are. And it's about letting go of that, you know, those veils. And now you're seeing things clearly for the first time. And that feels like an explosion. But then I took my time with it because you've, like you said, you cannot just destroy everything in a day. So I had to, you know, really architect a new reality for myself. And it was very, very scary. I was also driven by an inner force of truth. And so truth triumphed the fear. But was it scary? No doubt. And I kept coming back to my truth, asking myself, you know, how would you rather be? Would you rather be safe, but lie to yourself and be inauthentic? Or would you rather be bold and uh, go through the earthquake, but come out authentic? And it was not easy. And many times I didn't want to do the work. And I wanted to stay safe in the cocoon, but I also couldn't lie to myself anymore. And I had to make a drastic change. And and we all paid a price for it. It's not without a price. Uh, I always say that if you want the prize of of authenticity, if you want the prize of authenticity, you need to go through the price. And there is nothing for free. And you have to pay the price and be willing to pay the price. and then you bear the fruits later. You know, nothing comes for free. Everything comes with a sacrifice or a letting go or a change or a, a new way of being. And also when when we grow as women and radically awaken, the people around us are often not comfortable with that. And they often protest and they, they get angry with us. They feel abandoned. They feel rejected. They feel violated. They feel... Uh, like you have broken a covenant because you said you would stay the same and how dare you grow? So it's not easy. And, uh, you know, you have to realize that people are just operating out of fear.
1: I got married very, very young. I I was 21. And um, I always, and to this day, I always tell my husband, uh, he's older than me. I always say, I give you so much credit for the patience that you've had to see me go through already a few revolutions, but there's still so many to come because that's just, you know, how it goes when you marry someone that's younger and they're still um, have kind of no clarity of their identity. And I really respect the partners that are able to step back and let the revolution happen without feeling the need to control it.
0: Yes. Yes. So that that's huge. And and also to let the revolution happen without taking it so personally, that's so hard. And allow the person to experience their own experiences. And I think many times in marriages, we feel as if we, we should both grow at the same rate. And that's not mm-hmm. realistic. Many marriages have different rates for growth for each partner, and that's okay. But we've made it such a taboo to talk about these things that when that happens, people feel very afraid. And then they go through a divorce with a lot of panic and fear and ego and control. And that's when people suffer. A divorce is not the problem, it's the egos in the divorce that is the problem.
1: What is authenticity to you? You do use the word a lot in your books and I think that in general, uh, authenticity is a very uh, big buzzword these days. But what does that mean to you?
0: I think uh, it means to really be connected to who it is you are and know your limitations and honor yourself and see all parts of yourself and allow all parts to show up without concealing or hiding from yourself. I think many of us are living hidden from our own selves. We don't even know who it is we are. We're not even connected to our own truth. Leave alone, show someone else our truth. So authenticity is really to know yourself very intimately and to be connected to who it is you are intimately.
1: And do you feel like in society, there is room for everyone to be authentic? No, I think society doesn't like
0: authentic people. I think uh, people feel judged. People feel shamed and ostracized. So culture is very narrow and limited and rigid and only prescribes a certain way of being. So for people who want to break free, they have to suffer a price of ostracism and of being rejected, perhaps. So society is very intolerant of growth and different ways of being.
1: Dr. Shafali, if you can leave this conversation, our listeners, with anything, these are young women, women that are on their self-discovery journey, what would you leave them with?
0: Well, I think they should read my book, A Radical Awakening. Um, oh, definitely. But, yes, but I think what I would leave them with is the message of you know, finding your truth and not being afraid to own your truth, no matter how it looks to the outside world. That our greatest gift to ourselves in this world, in this life, is to show up as we are. And only we can give ourselves permission for that. And if we have people in our lives that are making it unsafe for us to show up in our big, bold ways, then we need to reevaluate those relationships.
1: Thank you. Um, and of course, you have the new book, uh, The Parenting Map, but also you've wrote a lot of books that are wonderful, The Conscious Parent, Radical Awakening. So I highly recommend for everyone to go in. They'll find, you'll find yourself in a book with whatever part of the journey you're in. Um, and is there anywhere else we can find you and your work? Sure. So I also have a coaching
0: institute that uh, has a Spanish component and an English component. And uh, I have trained over a thousand coaches globally now. Uh, It's an amazing online institute for people who want to become conscious coaches. They can join my institute. Uh, I have courses on my website that they can take. um, And I'm on Instagram as well. So there are many ways that people can
1: find me. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Dr. Shafali. Thank you. So this episode is going to look and feel a little bit different because while I was filming the episode with Dr. Shafali, we had some technical difficulties. And to be quite honest with you, I'm also really happy that I have the opportunity to shoot this after the conversation type of review because I've noticed that throughout our conversation, I didn't have time to digest the information that she shared properly. So when I was sitting down last week, listening to the conversation and all the wisdoms that she shared, I started writing little notes, just things that came up for me from the terms that she used, from the conversation that we have. And um, I'm going to dive into those on this part of the podcast. So when I was learning about conscious parenting, I first wanna start with the fact that I looked at it as a very privileged thing to be able to do. And I'll tell you why. I grew up in an immigrant household um, with a single mother. I had a father at certain points in my life, but I didn't feel like my mother had an opportunity to truly be able to stop and look around and try to see how she can do better by herself or by me. And that's what I'm saying when I'm talking about privilege when it comes to conscious parenting. Most of us hopefully are in other different positions. We're not as much as in a survival mode like our parents used to be, or maybe we are, but it feels like now we have the awareness to be able to stop and really reparent ourselves because that's to me what i've realized conscious parenting is has nothing to do with the kids and everything to do with us and the way we move in the world as parents and you know i was thinking that even arriving to the place of you challenging your belief system based on how you were raised is really hard because that's what conscious parenting requires of you. It requires of you to really stand in your truth, put a mirror in front of you and look back at your childhood, look back at your parents and start telling kind of hard truth about how you felt, how you experienced your childhood, how your parents showed up for you. And I feel like it also requires something that's even scarier for a lot of us to do. And it's to point out the fails that our parents had. Because we, in the process of all of this, we're starting to also humanize them. That brings up a lot. Honestly, for me, uh, the process of seeing my mother as a human um, in all her strength and weaknesses was something that started happening to me at the age of 16 when she was going through divorce from my stepdad. And it was really heartbreaking because up to that point, I really believed her to be untouchable. It started making me go back to examine every single belief that I've had and to relearn or unlearn them. It started at 16 because of that extreme life event, but it continued throughout the years and still happening to now, um, and that's really hard on its own. As on its own, I think that a lot of us, when we look at the term conscious parenting, gentle parenting, all these things, feel sometimes like methods to raise children. But in reality, it's just a fancy term to be really aware of yourself and the way you were raised and the way you grew up, and I had this bonding. Event at my kids' school a couple of weeks ago, and we were going, we were bonding with the other parents in the class, and we were going in circle. One of the mothers said the reason why she came to the school is she realized that she wants to reparent herself and do things differently than the way she grew up. And it was a journey for her to start realizing all the tools that she didn't have in order to raise her children. So that really touched me. And I feel like it was such a full circle because it was after my conversation with Dr. Shafali, and then hearing it from kind of the outside um, and then feeling it myself. That's where I arrived. So when I sat down with Dr. Shafali, I was very much looking for like a technique. You know, I was like, what is conscious parenting? How do I do it? How am I a conscious parent? What are the steps? And I was I was very uh, attached to that and I could, I heard it in my voice even when I was asking certain questions, I was looking for that like solution. Uh, but um, once I sat down and really started listening and learning more about the aspect of conscious parenting, I've realized that it is so much bigger uh, than I thought. Although it's quite a journey to start becoming a conscious parent, a conscious human, it also is I find the place that has the clearest why attached to it. You know, when we start with every journey in our lives and we have this goal uh, or we want to go through a certain evolution, sometimes when the why is not clear, you lose the motivation, you lose your way. But here we are trying to transform ourselves and to elevate ourselves and to evolve into a better version of ourselves. So we're able to create the space and and love our children properly. Um, and it's all done for them. So, you know, this constant reminder of why you're doing it every morning when I wake up and see my children, uh, the why is very clear. So although it requires a lot of work and a lot of honesty and a lot of stripping down um, of all your protective layers of all the excuses you've been giving yourself about you know the way that you are and the way that you are as a parent it's absolutely one of the most rewarding experiences I made this note because I'm looking through my notes I want to make sure that I hit on everything that I felt while listening to our conversation Throughout the conversation, I've realized that it's taking me a little longer to truly understand the conscious parenting thing, right? And how how it's practiced in today's time and age. And, you know, I'm, I'm coming from an Eastern European household, and I saw my mother fighting day in and day out for our survival. So when I think about love and discipline which are obviously a very important parts of parenting, they mean different things to me. I feel like the love I grew up with was all-encompassing, if that makes sense. It's It felt suffocating at times. It felt also very judgmental because that's what Eastern European parents do. <laughs> And I think um, anyone that has that background will totally support me um, on that one. So it was all that, but also it created so much space for independence. But something I've also realized is that throughout my childhood, I was clearly a representation of my parents and our family values and my mother. And that was a very heavy weight to carry. And that I think it's something that's very common in an immigrant household. You very much carry that on your shoulders, which I think was very interesting, but also one of the hardest concepts for me to understand is that in conscious parenting, it's, there's a detachment from that. Like a child, child doesn't equal parent. What I choose to do or who I choose to become is not necessarily a representation of direct representation of my mother. Carrying that lesson in mind when I'm raising my kids and how I go about their wins and losses and, you know, bad grades or great grades is is one of those challenges that I find myself in every single day. Because I'm programmed to have that direct connection. I'm programmed to feel if my child doesn't succeed in something, it means that it has a direct correlation to who I am and my value as Valeria, as my own person, Uh, which is kind of crazy if you think about it. And I think a lot of us carry that uh, in one way or another something that dr shafali also reminded me but also educated me about is the clear steps to connecting to your child so although the conscious parenting is a very big term a very big transformation and a way of life i did find that you reach a point where you are able to build that connection with your child once you at a Place um, of consciousness, and I really liked the clear steps that she presented and presents in her book. So, the first one is obviously being mindful, and that just requires us to be present and fully engaged in the moment with your child. And this is an important part without judgment or preconceived notion. Again, this is something that was hard for me to do, and honestly, I still catch myself sometimes not being able to fully be there without the judgment and the preconceived notions, because I wasn't raised that way. So really showing up to conversations and to moments with your child and leaving kind of your ego and your opinions aside. So you're creating enough room for them to show up as themselves, to share what they think, what they feel, because only In that way, am I able to really understand how I can help them? Um, I found that earlier in the year, um, I've noticed that with one of our kids, whenever I would ask something, he would give me answers, but the answers that I he thought I wanted to hear. So at first it was very uh, affirming to me as a parent. I'm like, I'm doing a great job. You know, he's, he's telling me all the right answers that I deemed as right. But then as we continue this and whenever I asked him anything about his social life, about his school, about anything like that, he would continue giving me those answers. And I started noticing that this is not, this is not a genuine answer. This is him just molding it and making it into something that he knows I would like to hear. So I really wanted to break that cycle because I remember myself growing up doing the same thing um, and I've reached a certain point then when I was a teenager where I completely disconnected from my parents or from my mother because I didn't feel safe enough to give her the real answers, the real feelings, share the real, the real thoughts that I had about something. So I very much wanted to create that space. So mindfulness first. The second is self-awareness, which is obviously a huge building block to being a conscious parent. And that's really about understanding your own emotions and triggers and patterns. And that is so crucial because I always say When I became a mother, I always talk about it whenever anyone asks me for like advice for new mothers. I always say that being a mother is the most humbling, a parent, not even a mother. Being a parent is the most humbling experience because it is, it brings to surface all the skeletons, all the things that you've been pushing down for years, all the childhood trauma, all the things that you honestly didn't even know existed. Um, And you get, your child makes you look at that and make a decision. We continuing the same kind of cycle and pattern? And I mean, we know the results of that. Or are we completely trying something new, but then it requires the parent to do a lot of digging and a lot of soul searching and a lot of redefining. Um, so the self-awareness is a huge thing. So being self-aware, once you start digging and learning and uncovering a lot of things, it is also giving you the opportunity to be aware of your own emotional responses. Um, and you allow yourself to respond to your child with much more empathy and understanding Um, and that is extremely important which brings me to the next step is empathy i think that a lot of us sometimes forget how we felt um, how we were children uh, in these different situations that our kids are in now and uh, that takes away a lot of the empathy that we can share with our children One of the greatest gifts for me being a young mother is the fact that I feel like all of these childhood events didn't happen that long ago. So I still remember how I felt in different points of my life, at different events of my life. So I do find myself kind of connecting to my inner child and remembering how it was for me, which helps me to be more empathetic to my children's experiences. Uh, but a lot of us forget because we become parents and we're adults and we're supposed to, I want to say parent them, but like discipline them, right? And be, and a lot of it is is also operated from a place of fear, right? Fear-led parenting. So that doesn't really give a lot of space for that understanding and building a stronger emotional connection. Because I remember there were certain moments throughout my childhood when I did something really bad and my mother will find out and she wouldn't jump into this parent, you know, discipline point, but she would sit down with me, look me in the eyes and tell me things like, I've been there. I know how you feel. I understand. That was a huge, huge thing for me. So I really try to keep that in mind when it comes to parenting my old children. The next step is acceptance. So this is also something that doesn't come easily, even though it sounds like something that should come easily, but accepting our kids the way they are rather than projecting our own expectations onto them. That one is a hard one. Again, we grew up in a generation where we were back to kind of the point I made earlier. We were the representation of our parents. So My parents wanted to make sure that I'm driven and that I'm smart and then I'm all these different things because it made them feel good about themselves. So, you know, getting high grades at school and achieving certain things, that didn't come from a place of, I want her to have those experiences for herself. It came from a place of if she's achieving this and she's getting those grades, it means I did a really good job. So, you know, having the ability to accept kids as they are, and sometimes it doesn't meet your expectations and that's okay. And that's something really important to remember, right? It's your own expectations. It's not theirs. That's been a really interesting journey to go through as well. And that one is probably one of my favorite ones because it really helps me on my own self-growth journey, right? Because when I see those expectations rise up towards my children, I kind of take it back and ask myself, but why is this important to me? Why do I expect them to be all these things? Am I not those things? Do I need to do something to feel like, who I am is worthy enough, so they don't have to you know continue and not even continue. so they don't have to kind of carry that weight on themselves. So it's a very interesting kind of uh, feedback loop. The next step is the non-judgmental communication. requires also a lot of patience. and honestly, it's just encouraging your child to express themselves without fearing criticism. I feel like those of us who grew up with this fear of criticism uh, throughout our childhood, it probably helped us grow thicker skin, but it also shut us down to the world, if that makes sense. So it takes us longer to share our thoughts and our feelings because of that fear, right? And, um, And we want to break that in our kids. We don't want them to live life with fear of criticism because then you don't really live at all. And I sometimes catch my kids being so open and light and express themselves so freely, even if they express themselves with views that, you know, I, I may disagree with, but that ability to just say it, I... I'm so proud that we were able to create that kind of environment. The next step is a very important one. It's a very important one because I and my husband with Gary, when we were talking about conscious parenting, I feel like we didn't quite understand if this way of parenting has any kind of rules or discipline to it. So this step is boundaries with love. And that is extremely important because boundaries still exist in conscious parenting. And it's not this free for all, you know, children just be and do whatever you want. And we are here to just love you. I mean, all of that, yes. But also, you know, they are learning to navigate the world, they are getting influenced from different directions. And I think it's important to have boundaries in the household because it also teaches them to have boundaries and how to set them and what are boundaries for them, right? So establishing those are extremely important. Um, They definitely need to be boundaries that you can set for yourself as a parent with your child and for the child to set for themselves with the parents. So it goes both ways. I think it's just... It just needs to be done with love and understanding um, and with communication because those boundaries need to have context to them. And I think that's where we teach our children what boundaries are and how to set them when we explain why we need to set them, right? So for me, one of the boundaries that I've set with my children is the boundary of like they need to know when to let me be. (laughs) And that's a hard one to set with children. But I told them it's very important to me to be able to create space in my house where I can go. And it's my solitude and it's my alone time. Um, And that's a boundary I made. And it took us some time to practice that boundary and I had to explain has nothing to do with you guys I just don't want to get to a point where I am emotionally and physically drained and then I kind of explode which happens still happens Um, so that was just you know one of the boundaries that we set but to me I wanted to make sure that when I explain it to them, they'll understand that this has nothing to do with them. This is a need that I need as a person, as an individual. So that's definitely something that helped us a lot. And I find that Benjamin actually followed suit and he requested that boundary for himself as well. Um, Again, it's wonderful to set them. We often cross them, but we also often go back to reminding those and, you know, continuing in our lives. The next step is connection over correction. This is a really interesting one because this is one that Gary started talking about way before I read Dr. Shafali's book or had a conversation with her. He actually um, picked this up from a discipline coach that our school has that provides uh, Ginny Luther, who is absolutely amazing, but she often emphasizes connection over correction. And I feel like now Gary truly switched his way of doing things and the way he communicates with the boys based on this principle. I'm still working on it, by the way. So the point of it is that you prioritize building a connection with your child over correcting their behavior. So instead of focusing solely on discipline, you make sure that you emphasize an understanding and addressing the underlying emotions or needs, right? So it takes a lot more work. It's hard for me personally, to be quite honest with you, hard for me to implement this when I am, when I'm having those days where I'm just like scattered all over the place, super busy, really triggered, but I I try to keep that in mind. So whenever I see them and I want to correct their behavior, I try to come from a place of asking why they're behaving the way they're behaving um, and then inserting that empathy, that understanding, that acceptance, and then creating the boundary. So as you can see, it kind of all works together. And then last but not least in these steps, this is a is a very important one because it's a, probably the hardest one to do. And it's the letting go of control. Uh, that one is a hard one. Gosh. So... It's, it's self-explanatory. It's this recognition that you can control every aspect of your child's life and you allow them to have the space to grow and to make mistakes and learn from their own experience. Um, and sometimes that control, oftentimes that control feels and seems like love to us, but this is also the love that I mentioned earlier in my childhood that I felt that all encompassing, you know, um, suffocating kind of love, this is what it is. It's the need to control. So I've learned a lot, as you can tell, from about myself, about how I grew up and how my mother operated in her own condition. None of this, by the way, makes me Feel like my mother didn't do a good job. I think she did an amazing job. And it's actually so beautiful to see how much she did right. Uh, Because oftentimes when we have our own kids, we start seeing all the things, or remember, not start, but we remember all the things that were done wrong. To us as children, but through this process of conscious parenting, I actually see also a lot of things that my mother intuitively did right. Um, so truly made me appreciate and connect to her so much more. The one thing that kept coming up for me is this fear led parenting. And this is something that I personally, I mean, I've seen it with my mom when it comes to my brother, but. I personally felt like this is something I was doing and still doing at times with my kids. And this fear-led parenting is parenting them from a place of being scared they'll get hurt, being scared they'll fail, being scared they'll, I don't know, don't reach their full potential, being scared that something bad would happen. Listen, this is a weight we carry as parents and it's absolutely humongous weight if it's our own expectations of ourselves or if it's society's expectations but I feel like a lot of parenting is um, has a lot of fear infused in it and I don't think that living in today's time and age makes it any easier because I feel like it amplifies all the fears that we have as parents if it's from social media if it's the news if it's all the stories you hear and see, in general, like fear is a very lucrative business, I feel. So we're truly surrounded by it at all times. And as parents, it's it's really, really hard. Um, and it goes back to, you know, trying to control everything and to control the situation. Uh, but obviously, as we can see, we are doing a disservice to our children trying to control it because you never really get to control it. You just continuing to foster this disconnection, if that makes sense. They just start getting further and further away from you. And that's, by the way, my greatest fear. My greatest fear as a mother is being disconnected from my children. And because of that fear, I take this conscious parenting so seriously and the working on myself so seriously. Because I know that even if I have this illusion of control right now, if I continue, you know, parenting the way I was parented, I know that at some point, probably when they get to the preteens or teenagers, they're going to cut me off. And being cut off from them and not knowing what they're going through and not being able to talk about it and help them navigate certain situations Um, and honestly just be a support to them. That's something that scares me the most. So it all feeds each other. So that fear really makes me think about how I can learn to trust myself more and trust them more. Right. Because it is trust in yourself. I have to say it is trust in yourself, a trust in yourself that you have the right foundation in the household, that the values are there, that, you know, you are modeling what you preach because that's extremely important. So that's what I'm trying to focus on. So more than anything, this conversation just made me realize that conscious parenting is basically us reparenting ourselves. The kids obviously get the benefit of being raised by a self-aware adult who can create a safe space, uh, create healthy boundaries and a dynamic that fosters connection that obviously will be such a huge benefit and tool for them in the future for their own relationships. But um, it all... All goes back to us. So what I've come to realize is that my interest in conscious parenting didn't start because I saw a creator that I like or trending content on social media talking about it. It came from a place of this radical awakening within myself, wanting to evolve and wanting to understand my kind of dark corners that I have in me because I've realized that those are the things that I am showing to my children every single day um, that I model for them. And that will determine if I'm creating a healthy, safe space for them or not. Um, So that's exactly what happens. Like, I think that This radical awakening and our need to learn how to do better and how to reinvent our own parenting style comes when you just feel, you feel, you know, in your core where you're not truly open. You're not coming from a place of clarity and consciousness. You just repeat the same patterns that you were raised on and that you saw your parents do. And, you know, back to speaking of this privilege that I mentioned earlier being conscious is a privilege because it requires us to stop. It requires us to observe. It requires us to be really honest with ourselves. Um, and that takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of dedication. So when I say privilege, I don't mean it in a way of, um, you know, it It cannot be an excuse. It's more of reminding us that we have this beautiful opportunity to do all of that and to raise a better generation a fearless generation a generation that is that can think for themselves and and advocate for themselves and honestly that's at the end of the day my goal as a parent so i left this conversation feeling very empowered and being reminded of the steps and just the things that we've intuitively started implementing in our household, but continuing to to do the work within myself. And I think that's why for a lot of mothers, I think that sometimes we think about, you know, all this self-help and self-improvement and self-care and time for ourselves as like a selfish thing to do, but it actually all stems from there. Like if we don't have that time and space to better ourselves, then we can't be a conscious parent. We can't show up as the parent that our children need in order to learn about themselves, about the world in the most authentic way possible. So be selfish. I guess that conscious parenting is... (laughs) Is putting yourself first, first in order to understand yourself and then work through it. And uh, that's where consciousness evolves and opens up. Thank you so much for watching this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Don't miss my newest episode right here. And if you're listening to the podcast on Apple or Spotify, please go and leave a review with your biggest takeaway. I love reading your thoughts. And if you have any suggestions for guests or topics, you can leave them in the comment section. And always, always remember, you are not alone.